sixth grade and below, you're dismissed to go downstairs to your time of study. Everybody else, take your Bibles out. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. What a week, huh? Anybody got any stories? <laughs> Everybody I talk to has a story. Uh, it's been awesome. I, I would like to say this, that Dottie Sullivan is my hero. Um, she walked from Krispy Kreme all the way to Cracker Barrel. Now, if you know, that's all the way down 31 to 119 to Cracker Barrel. Dottie, you, I swear you're my hero. I, I want to be just like you when I grow up. So, I know there are other people who walked. I saw Jason uh, walked 100 miles in the snow. That's uh, the way Tamber told it, Jason. Um, so, but you did awesome. And uh, Mark Rhodes and I, we hosted five girls under the age of six. Well, actually, Kathy did it all. But Mark and I were in the house. Uh, <laughs> so, we had a great time. I know everybody, uh, thank the Lord, we're, we're all safe. And God protected us during this week. And we're going to study the Word of God together. How are you doing on those New Year's resolutions? 33 days in. Lost any weight? Got a better shape? Studied your Bible more? Uh, everything perfect in your life after 33 days of incredible resolutions? Most of us, they have fallen to the wayside. Um, for many people, they have talked about getting in better shape physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And when we talk about getting in shape physically, a lot of times we talk about doing some sort of cardio work, working on our hearts and making sure our hearts are strong. Um, we recognize in this day and age what a difference physically it makes if we exercise somewhat, uh, do something that gets us moving. Now, um, and, and it'd be helpful on these dusting days that if you're going to walk six miles, you're in some kind of shape. Uh, to be able to, to do that. I want to talk about this morning, how do we have strong hearts for the Christian life? How do we build up our heart, so to speak, in our Christian pilgrimage? We all recognize the danger of heart disease in this day and age, and I would, I would contend that a lack of spiritual heart is a killer in the Christian life. That for many people, the danger of what the Bible calls losing heart, losing passion, losing spiritual vitality, it, it, I don't know a person, honestly, who hasn't struggled with this at some point in their Christian walk. If, if you could say today you've never struggled with it, praise God, but get ready. Uh, because it's something uh, of pressing through that even some of the greatest spiritual giants of all time have struggled with, how do they maintain their spiritual heart? Paul in 2 Corinthians, and this is a kind of lengthy passage, but I want to read it to you because I, I love this passage, and I believe there's so much truth in it that just reading the Word of God over us will impact the way we live. And then I want to talk to us how about how do we maintain our hearts. So 2 Corinthians 4, verse 1. Let's do this. Let me pray over us as I read this passage. I believe um, one of the things that God has gifted me with is the, the, the feeling that every sermon I preach is the most important sermon I've ever preached. 
Uh, and I feel like that today. I, I, I really sense that there are people here today who are struggling, struggling with their Christian walk. They're not giving up. They're not at the point of abandoning, but they're at the point of saying, I, there's got to be something more here. My heart is just devastated. I've struggled with things for so long. I'm trying to say, is there any hope? And I want to say to you this morning, there is hope. There is power in the name of Jesus. Do not give up. How can we reinvigorate? How can we strengthen our spiritual hearts? So Lord, I pray today, Spirit of God, move among us. Let your truth prevail in this place. May we be a people who, who receive the mercy and strength and power of God so that we do not lose heart. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do in these moments ahead. Spirit of God, move powerfully. Go well beyond my inability to communicate with words and let the power of God prevail in this place. In Jesus' name. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 1 says this, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. For we are alive, we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal bodies. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Verse 13, it is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. With the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Verses 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. 
For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Over the past weeks, we've been talking about uh, prayer and fasting and not compromising and pressing on and persevering. But what if you've been pressing on and not compromising? You've been persevering and you still feel like you haven't seen the results that you've been anticipating. What if you've been praying but you don't have the breakthroughs in your life, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your health, that you believe that God is wanting and you're desiring to see as well. One of the great hymn writers of the faith, uh, his name William Cooper, it looks like Cowper, but it's pronounced Cooper. He wrote this great hymn of the faith. Uh, he, one of the great words, the hymns are the words, but he wrote this, God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. Unbelievable words. Cooper wrote, uh, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. The day after he wrote this hymn, William Cooper tried to take his own life for the second time. He, he, he had the words, but there was, something, there was something about a loss of heart in Cooper that he struggled with over and over again. How, how, do, how does a man write these unbelievable words about God moves in a mysterious ways and he's got a frowning, it looks frowning, but there's a smiling face and then loses all hope? How do we maintain hope in this day and age? Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.1, Therefore, since through God's mercies we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. The way we're going to maintain heart is through the mercy and grace of God. I think we all have at some point experienced a loss of, a loss of heart. One of the great biographers of Martin Luther, uh, Roland Bankton was his name, said this about Luther, uh, who struggled with depression over and over and over again. He said this, the content of his depressions were always the same. The loss of faith that God is good and that God is good to me. You may be at a point where you're facing that right now. You're questioning the goodness of God. The question becomes then, how can you regain your zeal or love how can you not lose heart? How can you maintain a strong heart? How can we work this cardio for life into our spiritual existence? The following that I want to give you is not an exhaustive list, but a list kind of from what Paul is saying here in 1 Corinthians 4. The first point is this. Receive help from others. Receive help from others. Paul, in this passage, he talks about the nature of God about light in darkness, about faith, about the power of resurrection. What is he doing to the church in Corinth? He is encouraging them to know who they are in Christ. When, when you lose sight of your 
goal or your destination or things start to fog in like they have this morning or, or from a spiritual sense, you're, you're losing traction. How are you going to get that traction? Well, one of the ways you're going to get it is to receive help from others. This talks about the importance of the body of Christ. You are not in this alone. As a matter of fact, if you are isolated, if you are by yourself, if you're alone, you are in the greatest danger. I mean, you've all seen those African videos where the animals, the tiger is kind of crouching, the lions are ready to get some impala. Do they, they go after one that they separate from the rest of the herd, right? They're going after the lone one. That's the one that always gets taken down. Listen, you need to be a part of the body of Christ. You need to be in a small group. You need to be in relationship with one another. We need each other. Even when we're alone. Now, Kelly Kemma dared me to put this picture in my uh, sermon. So really, the only reason I'm putting a picture of Kelly and Adam is uh, that uh, Kelly went down and saw Adam this weekend. And she texted me and said, you've got to get this in your sermon. So somebody say, everybody say, you know, <laughs> the truth is this, though. Even when you are, especially when you are far away from home, seeing a familiar face will strengthen you. Right? When you have lost Heart. When you're in danger of losing heart, you need people in your lives. And you need them more then than at any other point. You need to receive encouragement. I mean, have you ever reached a place in your life where you've been so down that you actually felt like you could not pray? A point in your life where you've been so depressed you just wanted to isolate yourself, it's at that moment you need other people to come alongside you and lift you up. People to encourage you. People to help guide you through. We can pray for one another when we don't have the strength to even pray for ourselves. A little pastoral advice, by the way. When you're in the middle of it is not the time to start trying to make friends. You know what I mean? When you're in the middle of losing heart, if you haven't, you've you got to go then. But the best time to do that is when you're doing well. Establish these relationships now so that when you go through a time where you're losing heart, you can have somebody speak into your life and encourage you. Paul says this in Galatians 6.2. He says, by helping each other with your troubles, you truly obey the law of Christ. I didn't think Christ had a law. What was the greatest commandment according to Jesus? Love the Lord your God with everything that you are and love your neighbor as yourself. By fulfilling this, by helping each other, we're fulfilling what Christ says is the greatest command. Loving God and loving others. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Encourage each other and give each other strength. Never underestimate the power of encouragement. The power of saying something that really spurs somebody else on. As a matter of fact, I would encourage you this week, and you can make a note of this on your outline, Find someone that you can encourage. Speak a word of encouragement to somebody. 
Most of us are so concerned with what other people think of us that very seldom are we looking outward to say, you know what? My word of encouragement could be life to somebody. Maybe they're in danger of losing heart and maybe my just saying how much God loves them, how, how special they are, the purpose and destiny of God can be fulfilled in their life. That word of encouragement could help in ways that we would never imagine. I, I know that in my own life, when people have come to me and said, thank you, or what something meant to them, how at times that word of encouragement has just really moved me forward, kept me going forward in my faith and passion and love of God and his purposes and his plans. So first is receive help from others and kind of a corollary to that is be a help to others. Encourage one another. Second principle is this. We need to rely on God. Paul says in verse 7 of chapter 4, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Listen, the best your body can be is a jar of clay. It is decaying. In this life, it's going to keep going downhill. So some people may be going downhill faster than others, but nonetheless, this is just a jar of clay. It, it is weak, but God's power is in us. I mean, that truth sometimes doesn't really get us like it should. To understand that we can be growing even though we're decaying. Even though our bodies are getting weaker, we can become stronger spiritually. Because his all-surpassing power is in us. One of the things we... One of the things God teaches in the Ten Commandments is to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. One of the things the Sabbath principle does for us is for us to remember that none of us is so strong that we can go all the time without rest. That our bodies were made for cycles of rest. And the Sabbath is worshiping God by recognizing that he is the one. It is his power that is at work. But does that make any sense? In other words, we rest our bodies and we worship as a recognition that power is from God. We rely on him. No matter how good your flesh is, it has um, both an expiration date and it has a limit to how hard it can go without you falling. We need to recognize that we need the power of God. One of the great uh, Old Testament stories is the whole story of Jonah. Remember, Jonah gets a word from God that he's supposed to go to Nineveh to preach. Now, Jonah's problem as a prophet is he, he loves God and hates people. And so Jonah says, I'm not going. I'm not going to Nineveh. Those, those people, I can't stand them. I know the nature of God. If I go and preach and they repent, he won't kill them all. He loves people, doesn't he? And I would rather run away from God's purpose and plan than see God save these wicked, wicked people who I hate. Jonah's problem is he had a list. He had a list of people that God should like and a list of people that God shouldn't like. And the Ninevites were on the God shouldn't even like these people list. So Jonah disobeys God, runs away, 
you know the story, he gets on a boat, storm happens, Jonah's asleep in the boat while the storm is raging. Finally he says, hey, the storm, it's my fault. So they throw him overboard. He gets swallowed by a great fish, a whale. Um, I know there's a lot of debate over whether this is possible or not. I, I believe God's word. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, uh, the fact that um, Jonah, the creator of his own problems, got swallowed up by his problems. Um, and, and he's in the belly of the whale, and it says in Jonah 2.7 this, When I had lost all hope, I turned my thoughts once more to the Lord. Where, where, where should you go when you lose all hope? Where should you go when things, are, you know, Jonah, really, think about it. He was in a hopeless situation. I mean, he was in the belly of the whale. Uh, the digestive stuff was at work on him. Uh, it, it's not a pretty picture, the acid and all of that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, he was in a hopeless situation. Now be a good time to turn to the Lord, don't you think? I mean, verses 20 steps earlier, we need to understand that we rely on the Lord. David when he's facing Goliath, he comes up on the story of uh, David comes up on the army who's being challenged by Goliath. And David is the only one who has the ability, and he says to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. What had happened to the army? They had lost heart. Because they saw the circumstance as bigger than they were, which it was. But what David did was he was able to rely on the power and presence of God. He had seen God deliver in years past. He, God had delivered him from the lion and the bear, and he knew that God could deliver him from this Philistine. He relied on God's wisdom and might and the power of God. How, how do we do this? How do we rely on the power of God? Well, one of the ways we do this, I think, is by renewing ourselves in God's word. Understanding God's word, the psalmist says this, as pressure and stress bear down on me, I find joy. Where do you find joy? He says, in your commands. He's saying, in God's word, when pressure and stress come down on me, where, where am I going to lean? I'm, if I'm going to rely on God, where am I going to rely on God? Well, one of the places we rely on God is by knowing God's word. We also need to know God's goodness and remember his goodness. It says in Psalm 27, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. We need to remember the goodness of the Lord. The goodness of the Lord has happened many times in your life. Just because you're going through something bad right now doesn't mean that God has abandoned you. Remember God's goodness and remember that God is good to those who love him. Most of the time when we're in the middle of a problem, we don't, we don't focus on God's goodness. We focus on the circumstantial badness. And many of us are, are bad... The glasses we automatically put on are the glasses that see badness versus goodness. I mean, that's just our nature most of the time. Oh, this is terrible. This is horrible. This is just the worst thing ever. 
Well, none of those statements it may not be good, but it's probably not the worst thing ever. Instead, put on the glasses that rely on God and his goodness, that remember God's word, and rest on God's power. We saw how powerless we were to help ourselves, but that was good. For then we put everything into the hands of God who alone could save us, for he can even do what? I mean, Paul says this many times. God can even raise the dead. If he can raise the dead, then, then he can raise the, the dead marriage that you're in. He can raise the dead relationships that are surrounding you. He can resurrect hope within you. God's power is at work within us. And we need to, through his word and remembering his goodness, we need to rely on God's power. Most people who have lost heart have done these two things badly. They have isolated themselves and they've forgotten how great God is. They've forgotten the power and presence of God who infills them and indwells them. And as a result, they've, they've given up. Leads to the third point, which I really preached on a couple of weeks ago, but I just want to remind you, refuse to give up. Refuse to give up. This whole principle of endurance Paul talks about. Therefore, we don't lose heart. Outwardly, we're wasting away. Inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. Talks about our light momentary troubles. So, what do we do? We fix our eyes. On not what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. All right, look up here for a second. Get this in your heads right from the start. Everything around you, everything we see is going to burn. I mean, at some point, it's going to be gone. We think that what we see is what is what really matters. The things we can touch, the things we can feel, the things we can see or taste, that's what really matters. Paul says, listen, all of that stuff is, it is wasting away. It's going to be gone someday. But what is unseen, you can't see really what is eternal. Focus on Christ. And when you focus on the eternal, it will help you endure the circumstances and situations that you're going through right now. We looked at Hebrews 12 a couple of weeks ago again. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and what? Lose heart. Don't lose heart. How? Focusing on Christ and enduring. Keep moving forward. Do not give up. Be encouraged by the the people around you, the witnesses, the cloud of witnesses that surround you. Throw off everything that hinders you. Don't become entangled in sin. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Those are all in that passage in Hebrews 12. In order to endure. Fourth point, final one is this. Refresh. Refresh yourself. Allow the refreshing of the Lord to sweep over you. Be refreshed in his power and his presence. Again, a couple of weeks ago, I, I read to you that passage where Paul talks about all the stuff he had to go through. 
I don't know if you remember, it's in uh, 2 Corinthians 11. If you want to write that down, you can go read it again at some time. Uh, all the hardships he had to endure, he, he articulates this long list of being jailed, being beaten, being whipped. He was danger when, in, in danger when he traveled. He was, had false accusations come against him. He was nearly killed by people throwing stones at him. Uh, he had pain, hunger, thirst, lack of clothing. By the way, does that not make this past week look like nothing? I mean, we're all complaining about the hardships we went through this week. But I mean, if you read Paul's list in 2 Corinthians 11, you're like, wow. How did he, he do it? How did he endure all of this? Look what he says. I want to read this same passage, 2 Corinthians 4, from the message, just because I think it shows a different side of the flower. Since God has so generously let us in on what he is doing, we're not about to throw up our hands and walk off the job because we run into occasional hard times. Occasional? Occasional hard times? Don't you think that's a massive understatement? Uh, for being whipped, having stones thrown at you, trying to be killed, being in jail, being falsely accused on a consistent basis. Paul, remember, he's got a different perspective. Because his perspective is different, he has a different ability to maintain heart in very challenging circumstances. He goes on and says, We've been surrounded and battered by troubles, but we're not demoralized. We're not sure what to do, but we know that God knows what to do. So we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside, it often looks like things are falling apart on us, on the inside, where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times, the lavish celebration prepared for us. There's far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today and gone tomorrow. That's the problems and the pressures. They're here today, but they're, they're gone tomorrow. But the things we can't see, our relationship with Christ, the character that he's building within us, that's going to last forever. Therefore, don't lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. You may be here today and sensing that and know that there's this weight on you. Maybe you're, you, you would even recognize, you know what, I am in danger of losing heart. Maybe you're at the point where you would even say, I have lost heart. I, I want to say, the God of all comfort is here to meet you. Through his power and his presence. We need to encourage one another. We need to remember that we are totally dependent upon God. We need to remember that we're in this for the long haul. And we are to constantly be being renewed by the infilling and empowering of the power and presence of the Spirit of God. Where are you today? 
I mean, if you were to get gut level honest and say to someone that you love and you know loves you, are you at a place where you would say, you know what, I need, I need some cardio work spiritually. I am in danger of losing heart. Get some people in your life that you know love you and will pray with you and lift you up and encourage you and stand in the gap with you. I mean, I, I, I would dare say that there are some people here today who haven't been even honest with themselves, much less the people around them, to say something like, I'm going through it. You have no idea what I'm going through. No one has any idea what I'm going through because I haven't told them. I want to encourage you today to find people who love you and will stand in the gap, to to get into God's presence, rely on his power. Do not give up. Jesus says this. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. I love this line. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Let the grace of God permeate your life. Let the rhythms of God's grace be the drum beat that you march to. Because whether you know it or not, you're marching to some drummer. Maybe your own drum beat. Maybe the world is dictating the beat of the drums that you're marching to. Learn the rhythms of God's grace and walk in those. Bow your heads with me if you would. I want to invite you to just close your eyes and I'm I'm going to I've actually written out a prayer that I want you to pray with me if you'd like. You don't have to repeat the words out loud, but just in your heart as I pray them, I'm praying them for myself. And if you'd like, you you you're really in a place where you know that you're in danger of losing heart or of lost heart, of lost your passion, lost some edge. Just agree with me in prayer. Dear Father in heaven, I I know that you know the level of stress in my heart and in my life. You know I'm at the breaking point, that I've lost heart. I've battled and bottled up my frustrations for so long, I feel like I'm about to explode. I've been struggling with bitterness. I've been struggling with doubt. I thank you, Jesus, that you understand how I feel and you love me no matter what I feel. Today, I need to get refocused. Today, I need to get refreshed. Today, I need a filling, a fresh empowerment of your spirit. Help me to remember and be grateful for the good things you've brought in my life. Help me to 
read your word and find strength. Help me to rely on your power. Today, Jesus, I am putting everything into your hands. I confess that I cannot do this on my own. That there are things that I'm powerless to change and I'm trusting you to give me strength and to move me through this breaking point. With your help and by your power, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to walk away. And instead, I'm going to look to you. I believe that because of your help, I'm going to make it through this time. I'm going to stand and watch you work. I'm going to stand not in my own strength, but in yours. I pray that the God of angel armies, that I would recognize that you are always by my side, that you are here to deliver, and that you will walk me through the valley of the shadow of death. And as a result, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Lord, I pray today that your power would be at work within us. Thank you. Blessed be your name. Stand up and let's worship.